Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Part three of Learning to Lead. And I want to talk a little bit about cause and effect. We're going to be in John 15 tonight. This morning I had a lesson here in Upland, and it was two dogs, kind of medium-sized dogs, a mix between lab and something. Uh, not sure what else, but they both had a little lab in them, maybe a little golden or Akita. It's hard to tell. Um, when I talked to the lady, her name was Ashley, when I talked to her on the phone, she says, yeah, I usually ask, well, what's the problem? What are the things you're dealing with? And she says, well, the dogs are barking, they're lunging at people, and they're trying to bite people. Those are the problems. And so I got there, and sure enough, that's what I faced. You know, the door opened, and the dogs are there barking just constantly, barking, barking. One of the dogs was lunging at me and, and trying to kind of put me in my place, kind of bite me. The other dog was tagging behind, and then it would come up and try and do the same. Um, Bill and Lola are here, so let's make some room for them. Um, so they would start lunging at me. And so, you know, in the owner's mind, this is the problem. I come in to assess the situation, and I see this problem is really a symptom of something else, and there is a, a root cause of this activity. In other words, these dogs are doing this because of something. And so what I find out is the dogs are barking, lunging, trying to bite me because they're insecure. There's a lack of boundaries and because they're afraid. The dogs, if I step towards them and I have this little compressed air that if the dog gets too close to me, I'll give them a little of air and it usually will startle the dog because they're not sure what's happening, where it's coming from. Some Jedi mind trick that I'm doing, you know, with them. And so the dog, if it gets too close to me, I give them a little of the air. And then, then we see what's happening. They're running away. 
right? The other dog is up the stairs now, is barking at me from the top of the stairs. And so I know that the barking, the lunging, the trying to bite me are because of insecurities, lack of boundaries, and because they're afraid. So now these insecurities, these lack of boundaries, and this fear, that is more of what really the problem is. But even that, there is a root cause to that. That is a symptom of something else. And what that is a symptom of is that there is a lack of leadership and a lack of accountability. So now it falls onto the owners. The owners are not setting the boundaries. They're not holding the dogs accountable to the actions. And so because of the owner's lack of leadership and accountability, there are these problems, right? There is the insecurity, uh, the lack of boundaries, and the fear. And so we start kind of going back to find out what's going on. Why is the dog barking, lunging, trying to bite? Well, it's the insecurity. It's the lack of boundaries. It's the fear. Why is there the insecurities, lack of boundaries, the fear? Because there's a lack of the unaccountability that's being held by the owner, the lack of leadership. They're not doing their part so that the dogs aren't afraid. So why now, going back again, why aren't the owners leading the dogs and holding the dogs accountable. Well, it turns out that the owners don't know how to set discipline or boundaries. Okay, they tell the dog, no, no, no. And the dogs, these ones, didn't speak English, okay? And most dogs don't speak human. They are dogs, and so they're not responding to what the humans are doing to set the boundaries. And so really what the problem is, is that the owners don't know how to communicate with their dogs. And that's why I'm there. I'm there to help them to communicate with their dogs so that they can establish leadership, leadership, so they can establish boundaries and hold the dogs accountable to the choices they make. That way the dogs now have a place to go. And so it comes back and sometimes the owners have a hard time holding the dogs accountable and setting boundaries, which then you would have to go back to what's the root cause of that. Okay, and they have to see a doctor for that. You know, I, I can't help you there. That, that, well, I kind of do help them to see these things. But a lot of times there's other issues that are taking place in the owner's life and it's showing up in the behavior of the dogs. I'm a part of this board on Facebook and it's a learning to lead dog forum where there's a, a dog trainer down in San Diego and she has a lot of other trainers from across the country really who are part of the forum and they have emails that come out that give these little like questions about how they deal and what they deal with and really what they're all dealing with is how the problems that they have faced in their own lives with their dogs have taught them about the problems that they have in their own lives. So the dog has separation anxiety. Well, what's happening? Well, the dog is sleeping on the bed and the dog is always on my lap and this is always happening. Well, do you have insecurities? Well, maybe. And so the dog is trying to help your insecurities and now you're feeding the dog's anxiety. And so it kind of comes back. And so it's been interesting to listen to these 
you know, incredible dog trainers talk about when I first started training a dog, I found out all these problems about me. And that's really what I do when I go into training is I find out what the problem is between the owner, the human, and the dog. In John 15, Jesus gives us this illustration of a vine. And we can turn there and we can read in verse 1 of John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. passage that I believe we're familiar with. Last week we talked about how we have the Spirit, and Jesus alludes to this even here as he's made us clean, and we have now the Spirit that he's given us so that we don't need that anyone teach us, right? We have the ability to hear from God directly, which qualifies each of us to be in a position to teach, And so now here he's saying he is the vine and that if we bear fruit or if we don't bear fruit, there's an issue. God is going to prune us to help us bear more fruit. If we do not bear fruit later on, he says he's going to cut us and and get rid of the branches so that they are not going to be a part of the vine any longer. And I think what happens as leaders that we have to realize that in many ways we are like farmers. You see, a farmer can't make anything grow. What they can do is create an environment so that things can grow, right? It doesn't mean they can't do anything. They have to dig in the ground and toil or whatever they call that to the dirt. They have to, you know, put fertilizer and nutrients in there. They have to water those things, but they don't make the avocados happen or the almonds or bananas, whatever you're growing. All they can do is make an environment for these things so that they can grow. I cannot make anyone produce fruit in their life. No leader can. I can't make those things happen even in my life. God makes those things happen. But what I need to do is create an environment for God to work in. And so then we kind of take the same little, you know, the problem and then the root cause, and we can start dealing with that even in our own lives. Okay, my life is not bearing fruit. What is the root cause of that? Why, why is that happening? And we can kind of trace it back and we can say, well, there's a lack of healthy activity. I'm not connecting to God. I'm not abiding to God or with people because that's another way that we help produce fruit. So if I'm not connected to God initially and it's not receiving from God either through prayer, through time spent with him, through reading, or through time and encouragement with other people, that lack of healthy activity 
is now the problem of why I'm not bearing fruit. But then the lack of healthy activity is actually a symptom of some other problem. Okay, the lack of healthy activity, the root cause of that is probably because there is activity and things that are taking away from that activity. So there might be things that aren't necessarily bad activity, but they're taking away from the activity. It might be work. You're overworking, and so when you get home, you're exhausted, and you aren't able to engage with God at all. I mean, some days that happens, but if that happens every day, there's a problem. Maybe it's too much of something else. You're watching too much TV. You're watching too many YouTube videos. You're, you're doing another activity that is being indulgent and taking away from healthy activity. I mean, you can list so many things. There could be a number of things. It could be other sports activities. You know, it's good to be healthy, but it can become obsessive. It can become something that eats into your time with family or into your relationship with God. And, and so usually the lack of healthy activity is because there's activity being spent other places that you need to draw from to give to this activity with God. But why are you spending so much time watching YouTube videos or TV or whatever else it is? You see, that in itself becomes a symptom of another cause. And so what's the root cause of the busyness? And maybe the root cause of the busyness is having imbalanced priorities in your life. You're given to something because this numbs the mind. And when I just watch the TV programs over and over again, I don't have to think about the problems that are in my life or the things I need to deal with or that I need to connect with God. And so we kind of numb ourselves with an inundated onslaught of some sort. And so now we see that the root cause is actually something that's happening within us, that priority problem is because there's some other problem. And and you can kind of keep going back. And really, Jesus talked about this in chapter 14 of John, in verse 15, where he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. See, the imbalanced priorities are because there is a lack of desire for the right priority. I don't want to do this. I'd rather do this. This is easier. This requires work. I'm not going to spend the energy there, but I'll spend the energy here. And each of us has a limited amount of energy. We can only give ourselves to too many or so many things for so long. And if our energy isn't being replenished, we're expending it every day on something. Today I spent a good three hours of energy battling these two dogs and expended a lot of energy. When a dog tries to bite you, it's a rush, right? It's an adrenaline rush. It makes me feel alive for a while, okay? But then I feel really tired after I felt really alive because you're just paying so much attention. I'm having to watch this dog. I'm watching the movement. I'm seeing, okay, is he going to respond to the leash or is he going to come after me? And then, okay, he's coming after me. I got to respond a certain way. And so I'm like zeroed in. I'm spending a lot of energy right now focusing on this dog. 
Well, sometimes I can spend a lot of energy doing nothing. Spending a lot of energy, you know, just kind of searching things. You know, I'm YouTubing, you know, fights between alligators and tigers, you know, or something like that. I haven't actually watched that one, but I've seen it, you know. Because most of them, they're not really anything. You know, but you can spend your time, and then pretty soon I'm looking at how to make, you know, a radio remote control airplane. You know, it's like, how did I get here? Well, I'm just mindlessly spending energy. And you see, all this is doing is keeping me from doing things that I really should do. Why don't I do the things I should do? Because there's a lack of desire to do them. It's the bottom line. And Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so loving God and keeping his commandments, that's an important thing. And verse 8 of chapter 15, Jesus said, let's go in verse 5 still. Let's kind of read along. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse eight says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So we prove to be his disciples by bearing fruit. What is another way that all men will know we are his disciples? If we love one another, chapter 13, verse 35. And so we see love is why we keep his commandments. Love is how all men will know we are his disciples. And if we bear fruit, people will know that we are his disciples. Bearing fruit is connected to our desire for God. And so the point I want to make is getting to the root of the issue. If we are going to be people who lead, the root that we have to be connected to is this relationship with God. If you're like me and I don't see things happening in my life that I consider good, consider fruit, I'm not producing something for God, If you're like me, what you try to do is tape the apples to the tree, right? I'm going to make some fruit. I'm going to get some apples and I'm going to put them on the tree. And there, I've done something. I've made fruit. And so a lot of times I will spend my life in activities, hoping the activity will look like fruit. And the activity could be great activities. It could be praying. It could be reading. It could be going to Bible studies. Those could be all great things. But all I'm trying to do is tape the apple to the tree because I can go to Bible studies all day long. I can pray. I can read and not be connected and not get to the root. Well, now why are you reading? Because I want to produce fruit. Oh, so it isn't because you love and want to connect with God. It's because you're missing something in your life. And I want something, and so I'm doing this to get something instead of I'm doing this because I just want someone. And it always comes down to the desire we have for God and our love for him. That's the only thing I have found in my life that keeps me and produces anything of value. If you're going to lead, you need to love. 
You need to love God. That is the source. That is the root of where fruit comes from. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's God's desire that we bear fruit to show that we're his disciples. By this, all men will know you're my disciple if you love one another. It comes down to this. Are you producing anything? No. What's the cause? Well, you're probably not loving like you should. And so then that's where we have to start going to. It's great to be productive. It's great to do these things. But being a person who's a fruitful leader involves diligent work at cultivating the interior environments of our life where the mystery of God is. And has anyone found that that's a little difficult? It's a little elusive? That there's some days I can connect to God by listening to a worship song? And so then tomorrow I try to connect to God with that same worship song and it just means nothing. That's like, wait, no, this is my magic song. You know, I go to this song because this song produces and it might produce something for even a week. But then next week, man, that song is just not cutting it anymore. So what do we need now? I need a new song. No, you have to try something different. You have to engage in God in another way. See, he's not going to be found through the same method. Remember in um, C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where they go through and they find Narnia through the wardrobe. And after their adventure, they get back and they meet the old professor and they say, will we ever find our way back through the wardrobe? And he goes, I don't think you'll ever find it through that wardrobe again. It'll probably have to happen a different way because that's the way it happens. Same way with God. It's like, oh yeah, you found him this way. Next time, it's going to be maybe a little different. It's going to take place in a different way. You might not even be expecting it. You're just open, and then he engages you, and it happens. And so we have to cultivate an environment that makes opportunity for God to be able to communicate. And so that's where we start dealing with some things. How do we cultivate an environment in our life that produces things? Well, biting, being close, staying close, wanting, desiring. How do you cultivate any relationship? Communicate, listen, pay attention, kind of read the signs of what's happening. Is God throwing hints your way? He does that, you know. He throws hints. Sometimes they happen in the most strangest ways. You get an odd phone call. You see something that stands out to you. You get in a car accident. And all these things might be little hints. God's saying, hey, hey, I, I, I want to get your attention. And you're just like saying, oh, man, that was weird. That was weird. Are you paying attention? He's throwing a hint. Hey, I need your attention because I'm about to do something and I want you to be a part of it. And if you're not listening to the hints, oh, I should call Ben, give him a call. Ah, yeah, I'll, I'll give him a call later. And then Ben calls me, right, in two minutes. Oh, man, I should have beat him to it. Ben, ben heard the, the hint. I didn't. Those things happen and we have to pay attention to this. This is the quiet and sometimes solo journey of our character that we have to invest in with God. And it's a solo journey because it's something you have to do. 
If you're going to be in a position to lead others, you have to have traveled there yourself. And you might not be able to tell everyone exactly how to do what you did, but you have to be able to tell them where you've been. And that's an important part of learning how to lead. The essence of a leader is having a perspective that allows everything that we encounter with God to change our character, allows him to speak to us through other people, allowing him to speak through us through circumstances, allowing him to speak to us, of course, through scripture, of course, through prayer. These are all avenues where we abide. These are all places where we can connect with God and in different ways. We stop trying to just produce fruit. We stop trying to just tape the apple to the tree. We stop trying to just make something happen and we start trying to invest in the heart matters. And when was the last time that was an important priority to you, to invest in some heart matters with God, to sit down and say, you know what, I just need to get connected to you because I'm not. When was the last time that showed up in your life? Because I think it should show up a lot. It shows up in my life on a regular basis. I don't know if that makes you uneasy as me being a leader or not, but that something that I find that God is always challenging me in. And it shows up with my impatience towards my wife or the grandkids. And all of a sudden it's like, man, what's with that? God, what's going on that I'm so impatient? Why am I responding like this? You see, what's the root cause of this outburst? Why is it there? Well, I'm frustrated. Why am I frustrated? Because I don't like the situation that's happening at home. Okay, what's happening at home that I don't like? Well, I don't like my lack of control over the situation. I like it when, you know, this is filled up and when this is done, when this is put here and we have this thing here to block the baby from going into this room and now I have to step over this and I don't like having to step over this every day. And so, oh, so your problem is a lack of control. Yeah, I guess so. So if you're not in control, are you not happy? I guess so. See, I'm just kind of going back to root causes. So is the only way for you to be happy for you to be in control? Yeah, I guess so. Is that okay? No, that's not okay. So now what? And, And these are internal conversations that sometimes are a lot clearer to me than when they're happening. You know, when they're happening, I'm just kind of like, mumble grumble. But then after I look back, okay, really what's happening is I'm not in control and I don't like being in control, not being in control. And so my outburst is because of my lack of control. And so then I start to deal with the fact that, okay, God is having a conversation with me, dealing with my wanting to be in control. And really, shouldn't I allow him control over these kinds of things? And so, again, going back to the root, I stop trying to seek the quick fix 
and I start searching for the root cause. Something's wrong in your life, don't look for a quick fix. Look for the root cause. And again, when it comes to the relationship with God, know that the reason you are not seeking God, you're not desiring Him, keeping His commandments, whatever it is, is because there is a lack of love there. And it might hurt for me to say that, and it might say, ouch, Sam, that, that's kind of harsh, but that's really where it's at. And I, I've got to tell you, my love for God fluctuates. Sometimes it's pegging the scales. Man, I love God. I'm just all there. And sometimes it's needing CPR, right? It's needing to be recessed because I'm just not feeling it. I just don't care right now. See, I need to be aware of that. I need to do that because what, what I fear more than anything is the longer I go with this not loving, not caring, not wanting what God wants for me, the more it becomes dull, the senses become kind of numb and pretty soon I don't feel anything and I don't care. And that's a scary thing. Not just for leaders, but for me as a person who follows Jesus. You know, I'm getting old and I don't want to be one of those old people who just gets short-tempered and grumpy and kicks the kids off the grass. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that old person who can't hear the voice of God doing new things and don't have the energy to do those things because I'm spending my energy on useless things. If I've only got so much energy to spend, I want to make sure I cut off the things that don't take away from what really is important. So I want to expend those energies on things that are important. When I go through John 15, I imagine this large grapevine. And I imagine it being eaten from the inside. That the reason there's no grapes on this vine is because there's a worm inside that's eating at the inside of that. We used to have a tree in our front yard and it was hollowing out because it had some kind of disease. And they had to come and tear it down because here was this big oak tree, but the inside was just eaten up. And here you got this huge tree and it's hollowing out inside. And I imagine that same scenario with this vine that's being eaten up inside and there is nothing on the inside so no fruit is ever gonna come from this vine. Sometimes what needs to happen is it needs to be cut off, it needs to be thrown into fire, and it needs to be started over again. You need to plant something again. That's dead. Get rid of it. Move to something that will grow. And I think that has to happen even in our lives sometimes. When he tears things up and he burns them, sometimes that's the best thing that can happen. Sometimes that's what needs to happen in our lives because we've drifted so far from the priority of staying continually connected to God's presence that it's become just absence. And he needs to just revitalize us. We need to be born anew. When we notice we're not producing the fruit we desire, we start frantically trying to pretend we are. If your life is 
not connecting to God and not producing anything, then a lot of times you'll just be frantic to do anything instead of finding out what really is the problem. And you start focusing on appearances. We want people to think we're okay. When I talk to people who have addictions in one form or another, they don't want people to know about the addiction they have. They don't want them to know they have a drinking problem or a drug problem or a porn problem or you know, whatever the problem is, eating problem. There, there's an addiction of some sort that's there. And they don't want people to know about it. And so everyone puts up the grave, brave face. You know, everything's okay. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I go to church all the time. And you're putting up the facade and that's what's happening. You're, you're quick to put up what looks like fruit. You know, but it, it's the facade. And it starts to crumble. And then you have to deal with the reality. If you never deal with the reality, you live in the facade. And the fruit never comes. The vine is hollow. Your life is hollow because it's not staying connected. And so it all comes back to that. We're often not even aware what's going on in the depths of us because we're so busy trying to play an image that we don't sit still long enough to say, what the heck is going on inside of me? Why don't I care about the things of God, but I do care so much about these things? Why am I investing so much energy in this and so little energy on this? You can ask now. Now it's fine. Okay? So do you think a lack of passion can lead to not loving? I think that's a good point. I mean, the idea of passion, I guess it's not like you're on love or you're in love or out of love so quickly or easily. I do think love can grow cold in our relationship with God just like it can with people. Um, and I think when it does grow cold that there is the danger for it to be neglected or taken advantage of or, you know, allowing another love that you do have passion for to come instead of. Um, and I think that's true with God just like it is with people. Um, and, you know, it can vary. It does. It's not always just like, yes, you love God or you don't love God. You know, you hate him or you love him. I think there is... Uh, a desire that we are to have for God that is supposed to be paramount. You know, it's supposed to be the premium or whatever you want to call. Yeah, I, I think it's... But sometimes passion... The reason I don't... I mean, I think the definition of passion has changed uh, a little bit where, you know, passion now can be thought of as soap operas, you know, where they're passionate where passion originally was, you know, the passion week of Christ. You know, here was the passion of God, which had little to do with emotion and a lot to do with action. Um, and I think in that regard, yeah, passion shows action towards. You know, when you're passionate about something, you give action towards something. But you don't have to always have an emotion for something to give action towards something, you know. And that's where... It gets a little um, nuanced in that 
to have action towards something but not to feel emotion for something, are you just going through motions? You know, and where does that play in? Sometimes that's all I have to give God is my motion because I have no emotion. You know, and I think that's where that action is important, where I love him and I keep his commandments. Even though I don't have emotion, I can still have a passion, if that makes sense. Um, and so in that regard, I think, yeah, passion and action are similar, you know, giving action towards. I think emotions are seasonal. I think they're meant to be seasonal. I think we're meant to go through the breadth of emotion. You know, I don't think I could stay um, infatuated for a long period of time with, you know, my wife or with tacos or with anything. You know, you get something that you like and it's an infatuation, that's meant to grow into something else. You know, that infatuation starts and it helps get the car moving, but then you have to fill the tank with something of substance to get it to go further. You know, C.S. Lewis talks about in Mere Christianity that love is meant to be like that, that it's meant to have that growth in it that changes and it's past the emotion of it. So it might feel dry, but it can have depth. Yeah, I mean, I think the times that have been the most difficult in my life emotional, emotionally have been the times where I've realized the depth of my love, even for Corrine, when we're gone, we've gone through something that has been difficult. It's like emotionally, I have nothing for you and she has nothing for me because it's all been spent on whatever the circumstance is, but it's stronger than ever. You know, how does that happen? It happens because there's a depth there that has grown past the emotion. So even though you might call it a dry season or whatever it is, I think, of course, there's supposed to be seasons. I'm supposed to have feelings of emotional bliss, and I'm supposed to have feelings of emotional drought. Yeah, they're, they're going to happen. I, I think the problem with our relationship with God is... It is possible, just like it is with a relationship with anyone else, that you have a, a commitment to, to give your commitment energy that we were talking about to other things and therefore take away the commitment that you've made towards God. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and so do you love God? Yeah, but maybe not like he's supposed to be. Maybe you're loving father, mother, sister, brother more than him, you know, Oh, you love him, but he's not going to take what's happening. In other words, yeah, not like this. I'm not God to you. you know? And so I think God pushes us to that place. You know? And I think, again, going back to the core of what's happening, God is wanting to have a relationship with us where we abide, stay connected to him and he to us. And that connection doesn't always feel, but the connection should always be strong and guiding, okay? So like I said, when I start you know, getting bitter or angry, that connection pulls me to the core of what's going on, okay? I deal with bitterness. There are things that happen. You know, someone invited me just this week to something, 
and it was an invitation to something that I have been, how do you say this? I've been invited to something that someone else had invited me not to be a part of, you know? It's like I've been kicked out by one person and then invited by someone else. And it's like, okay, I'm kind of bitter because you don't know that these people asked me not to be a part of this and now you're asking me to be a part of this. And the thing is they were asking me to be a part of that so they could get me to do something for them. And I got bitter. It's like, you're asking me to do something to be a part of this and give something to you when this person didn't want me to be a part of it, you know, because other reasons. And it's like, so I got this bitterness that started going in and, and I just said, I even told Crane, look what happened there. And she said, well, you know, they probably don't know about this other thing. And I go, yeah, you're right. You're right. And then I had to have a realignment and that core had to come back and say, what's the deal, Sam? Why are you so bitter? What do you care? This person invited you. They didn't even know what's going on. So what? Why is that so important to you still? You know, it's like, oh, okay. I had to deal with those things in my relationship with God because it wasn't good fruit. Bitterness isn't a good fruit, right? Not according to Galatians. Okay, that's not a fruit of the Spirit. Bitterness, that was the other side. Okay, and so if my life isn't producing those things, what am I producing? What are the things coming out from me? But good point, and it's good that there's clarity in that because I don't want the idea of love to be taken so loosely. Okay, like, oh, yeah, yeah, my love, just based on how I feel or, you know, if I do have just a passion that's persistent or emotion, even the passion and emotion are different. So, um, often... If we're not aware, though, of what's happening inside of us, we start rotting on the outside. The reason I get bitter is because something's going on at the core, right? The reason I get jealous about something, you know, why does that person get to do that and I don't? It's because something's rotting at the core. The reason I get angry a lot of times, I mean, you know, of course, there's things that we can be angry at, but if I just am losing my temper, it's because something's rotting on the inside. There's something at the core that needs fixing. And so just like that dog, you know, he's lunging, barking, biting. What's the root cause? Okay, he's insecure. He's afraid. He doesn't have any boundaries. Okay, he doesn't have any boundaries. He's insecure. He's afraid. Why is that? Because there isn't the structure and leadership that he needs. Okay, why is that? Because the owners don't know how to do those things. Okay, why they need someone to show them. Same thing with me. Why am I acting this way? Oh, because I'm feeling this way. Am I feeling this way? Because you don't recognize that God has this place in your life or you're not yielding to this place in your life. And so it comes back to that heart. And, and I think what I need to do, at least what I've had to do in my area of trying to lead is I needed to stop taping fruit to the trees. I need to stop just doing things and thinking if I do something, it'll make me and God good. I'm busy because I've been busy and been not good. I've been involved with church seven days a week and not been good in the core. And my busyness actually kept me from seeing what was going on. No, look at, look at the fruit. It's still hanging there. Yeah, it's because you used duct tape. It's going to stay there for a while, but then it's going to rot and then it's going to go bad. And then you got to get rid of it. It's going to happen. 
until you're rooted in the love that God has, you'll always be frantically trying to keep up an appearance. I got to do this. And it becomes a labor. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to serve God. Oh, man, I've got to be there. You know, it's that time, the protege thing. They told me I got to be there at this time, you know. And then it can start becoming a labor. Why is it a labor? Well, because I'd rather be doing what? I'd rather be in bed because I got to get up early. Okay. I'd rather spend my energy in this way. But if you really want to learn to lead, you're going to have to be tired and work through it. You know, when you have kids, you know, Lori, you're going to be tired all the time. Right? You're just tired all the time. And it becomes normal. I was talking with Brianna Sunday, and she goes, yeah, she slept, you know, for like six hours. And it was like amazing. I just got used to sleeping on, you know, three hours. I go, yeah, I did that for a couple years. You know, and then it became normal. You just kind of get used to that. But yeah, you get used to, yeah, I just get t- used to being tired because that's how it is. But you don't, you don't think, oh man, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get up and feed her. I'm too tired. Why don't you? Because you love her. Oh, you're mad at her for crying. Oh, why do you have to cry? You're upset at the situation. But you do it because you care. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, You'll push through this and do the things that will produce fruit for God. If you love me, the energy finds its way to you. It's the lack of energy when we don't love something that shows up. Any thoughts, questions, answers? Yeah, and I think the growth is important because Peter Rollins talks about this where he talks about how people trade in drugs for God, yeah. right? Yeah. And I've seen this happen where, you know, yeah, I'm a, an addict, I'm using drugs, drugs, drugs. Oh, now I got God, 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 and God just replaced the drugs. God's my fix-all. Yeah. yeah, now this is my high. But really, it's the high that I want, not the God that I want, you know? And, and so that's the kind of thing where it's like you always make sure that you know i'm not here because there's the mountaintop the mountaintop is wonderful you know those moments of just god doing something that catches your breath breath and takes it away and helps you to just see him in a clarity that maybe you couldn't before those are wonderful but you know that's not always there you know and that's because he's looking for something that is not a part of the reality that he's living in. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's usually the case with the drug addiction. You know, I want something that will alter the reality that I live in and keep me feeling in that way. And, and he doesn't realize he can't live there. No. No. You know, no one can. No. You can't, if you live there, you never grow. You never mature. Love stays infatuation. And, and it can't. You can't maintain that. Your body can't maintain that. Your mind can't maintain that. I think I'm talking about in our relational aspect with God, if you're going to help someone to go through the seasons of life and know that God is there with them through that, you have to have gone there through those and be there too. It's kind of like, um, you know, when someone who's not married gives me advice on marriage, you know, you always listen to it and goes, oh, that sounds sweet. You know, but 
it, it's kind of like you, you, you don't know yet what, what you're talking about. You know, that might have some truth to it, but then when you talk to someone who's been married for 50 years and gives you some advice, usually there's a ring of something more in there. You know, it's just because they've experienced some things and now I can glean a little bit more because I understand a little bit more from that. I think that's true in a person who's leading. Hopefully, as you lead, you become more humble. I, at least that's what I'm hoping. You know, I, I'm seeing a lot of arrogance in my past. And I'm sure there's arrogance in my present that I will see in the future looking back. And I think that's one of those things that you have to kind of go through that, experience God working in your way at that point to help someone to see those kinds of things. Yeah. In an experiential way, there's things that you can only teach by going through it and then helping someone to see what you've gone through. And some people hearing what you say, say, I could never imagine that unless they have a son who's got the, you know, mental problems that Billy has had and struggled with the medication, then they understand exactly what that is. Yeah, she thought it was bad in her perspective. Yeah, with her four-year-old. No, it does. That experience and having been there, again, as a leader, you know, you are going to go through things with people because that's who you're leading. You're leading people. And you're going to go through people who... um, say and do things that you have to endure, that are going to hurt you, that are going to challenge you. And you have to maintain your integrity as a person who loves God and represents God at all times. You know, it doesn't mean you can't be angry. It doesn't mean you can't talk to those people. I talk with a lot of people and I have no problem sharing how I feel about things, but I better maintain the attitude that cares more about their well-being than it does my care, you know, what people think of me. Yeah, I mean, like I said at the beginning, everyone is a leader. You're leading people to some degree. You're leading people... Um, in your family, you're leading people in the uh, change for change and helping people to do that. You're leading that. Same things applies. God requires the same of you as he does of me. He doesn't require something special of me. He requires our hearts. There's an accountability that if you're in a position of visibility that is required, you know, that might be different in the eyes of people, but in the relationship with God, there is no you know, you're uh, ordained and you're not ordained, you know, or you're an ordained Christian, okay, so I expect you to be a leader. I, I think that's, again, where the church has failed. Everyone stops seeing themselves as a leader. When Jesus said, go and make disciples, I don't think he meant that just for the 12 or those few. I think he meant it for everyone who's his follower. What if every Christian saw themselves as a church planner? I'm here to plant a church, a community of people who love Jesus somewhere. I'm going to do it at my job at lunch. I'm going to do it in my family in the morning. I'm going to do it with the ladies I meet with here. I'm going to plant a church wherever I'm at. What would happen if we had that mentality 
I think then we would see the growth that the church experienced in the first century because everyone saw themselves like that. It didn't matter who they were, you know. Philip's just walking down by the Ethiopian eunuch and he baptizes him and, you know, that whole scene happens. Who was he? He was just one of the guys who was nobody. Right? I say that joshingly, you know, facetious. He wasn't a person who was, quote, a leader, but he took a leadership role and it was normal for him. He said, here's an opportunity. God's got me here to do this. Do you see yourself in that role as a leader? Okay, we use the word leader. Them is just a disciple. It's a learner. I'm learning about God and I'm teaching people about God. Okay. So it doesn't mean you're going to have a position here. You know, we're establishing everyone who's here is going to establish a position, but everyone needs to learn how to lead because you've been called by Christ to do this. And it always starts with the character. Everything that we talked about here with the vine and going to the core of things, that's, I hope, applicable for everybody. It's applicable for people who aren't Christians. That's what they're going to need to know to get attached to God. You know, and so how do we communicate that to them? Because the words that Jesus said, that's not just for people who believe. That's meant to be given to people who are outside of faith too. At least I believe it is. Any questions? No. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us in our relationship with you to see, Lord, the areas that have need for improvement, to get to the core of issues, Lord, and why we're doing some of the things that we're doing or maybe not doing some of the things that we should be doing. Father, may we not take lightly this necessity to stay connected to you, to abide in you, and may we see fruit as something that takes place first at the heart and then outwardly and not reverse those roles. And help me, God, not to just become busy, wanting to do things just so I can have an appearance of bearing fruit. Help me to truly deal with the core of the things um, within me that need to grow. Thank you for our time together, Lord, in Jesus' name. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.